I can't believe that was like actually the name of the CD. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And again, that, that Chill is one out of the, with the class of 97. It is one of the most 1997 things ever. <laughs> Well, I've been thinking about because I still say it like I say it to Colleen, like Colleen, chill, you know, and like. But I remember when that <laughs> slang was new and how funny my mom thought it was, and how she, you know, how, take a chill pill. Like I distinctly remember that. I mean, maybe it wasn't new in in the early to mid '90s, but I remember. I think I remember when it, you know, broke. I don't know what you'd call it. But I don't think people were saying it like in the 50s, like cool, you well, know? Well, to be fair, chill, I still use chill, but chill is way different than chill out with the class of 97 <laughs> or take a chill pill, bro. Those are yeah. totally different. Yeah, yeah. But there was a time when cool people were saying take a chill pill. Oh, oh, I, I bet. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just was never alive for it. <laughs> Yes, exactly. And I and I was. That's what's so weird. And so the fact that I, yeah, I mean, even chill out is probably passe at this point. It's probably just chill. I mean, Netflix and chill was a thing. So I guess it became, le- it became more about like hanging out. Like I just use it. Oh, chillin', which even that sounded out of date. But it's like, oh, man, what are you doing? You know, just chillin', Netflix and chill. You know, that was only a, a, like five years ago, maybe. Yeah. I mean, chill, at least in terms of Netflix and chill, chill got turned into sex. Well, yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I guess initially it like, the, you know, the, the pretense was, hey, come and watch Netflix and hang out. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, but so but many then, people yeah. were just saying, "Yeah, we'll just Netflix and chill." That it became, "Yeah, come over, we'll watch a movie for like twenty minutes, and then it'll play in the background while we bone." <laughs> yeah, so then yeah, chill became something else. But but I guess chill is more about what you are doing rather than a temperament thing <laughs> these days. Because you know, like I'll still tell yeah, Colleen, yeah. like, "Chill, you have to chill." I don't know if that's out of date or not. No, I, I think I think that's fine because you're like you're like you're saying it it works for her temperament still. Yeah, yeah, but I don't know if it's just a holdover from you know my slang just cutting off at a certain point, or if it, if other people <laughs> still use it that way. I don't know. <laughs> Let us know. Let us know in the comments. Smash subs- that subscribe button. <laughs> <laughs> Should we just get going? Might as well. Yeah. All right. Welcome <laughs> to No Hugging, No Learning. It's a show about one thing: watching Seinfeld for the first time. I'm Tim Murphy. I'm Ted Hallowell. I'm still cracking myself up over. It was a very Nathan Fielder delivery of that because I stumbled over. I didn't i was about to say smash subscribe but then i changed it to that subscribe button in the middle so i like stumbled over it in a nervous awkward way that i feel like nathan fielder would would uh, would definitely have done i i saw this i saw this tweet the other day that i feel like you would like that i liked let me let me see if i can find it uh <laughs> it was and i mean we don't get super political on here but i, I just thought this was funny trump mail is illegal now democrats Fam, smash that retweet. If you agree, someone should do something about this. <laughs> yeah, I love it. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, man. Okay, so today we will be talking eventually about The Face Painters, Season 6, Episode 22. But before that, we did have some holdover trivia and homework from The Diplomats Club, uh, which was the last episode. And first, we wanted to know what George and Jerry meant by this exchange, where George is explaining that he can't believe that Mr. Morgan thinks he might have a racial bias. So he tells Jerry, I would have marched on Selma if it was in Long Island. And Jerry said, you'd have marched on Great Neck? And George (laughs) said, absolutely, I still might. I always hated those girls. They would never date me. And under the Great 
great neck Wikipedia page. I, I couldn't find really any information about some sort of racial clash or anything like that. So <laughs> thanks to an old R. Seinfeld post for this interpretation of the exchange there. So George was from a working class neighborhood. And Great Neck is one of the most affluent communities in the country. So this person said, I presume the comparison is that Selma was a place where Jim Crow laws were enforced strictly and excluded African-Americans from most aspects of everyday life. Great Neck being a rich town, they looked down on people from poorer areas like neighborhoods in Queens where George grew up. Not a perfect analogy, but it worked for comedic purposes. Uh, I suppose. I, I guess it did. I don't know. You and I, neither of us laughed. No, I know. And and I think <laughs> it was, like you said, just some deep New York humor, which, by the way, we're also going to get in the face painter oh. uh, uh, coming up. But, yeah, I think it's just some, some local refs that we just aren't New York enough to know, <laughs> but played well in, you know, Manhattan and stuff like that. They played well to exactly like 10,000 people. <laughs> yeah, like a few a few NBC execs who probably grew up in Great Neck. <laughs> <laughs> like, guys, this is going to go over huge. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Dwayne Reed, we also wanted to know about them. And it is Dwayne Reed, not Dwayne Reedy. Mm. Uh, I could have sworn I'd heard it pronounced the other way, but it is just Dwayne Reed. And it's a chain of pharmacy and convenience stores owned by Walgreens now. Oh. And they are primarily located in New York City or the immediate suburbs. And they're known for their high volume, small store layouts, and densely populated Manhattan locations. I tried to use the store locator to find out if there were any Dwayne Reeds outside of the New York metropolitan area. And it won't let you search by brand because Walgreens owns them and CVS, I think now. And, Hmm. um, you know, so when you went to the store locator, it showed you every pharmacy in New York (laughs) and you couldn't just narrow it down by Dwayne Reed, unfortunately. And there's ah. no list of their locations. They have... So in 2010, Dwayne Reed was bought by Walgreens for a little over a billion dollars, and they got the Dwayne Reed corporate office, 257 stores, and two distribution centers. So I find it hard to believe there's 257 Dwayne Reeds in New York City, but I guess it is big. And, and when you include <laughs> the suburbs, too, I mean... Yeah, I mean, you've got to include... Uh, there's probably a store every couple of blocks because everyone's going to have their Dwayne Reed, you know, that they go to all all the time because yeah. they're not going to walk more than a couple of blocks out of the way. Yeah. I wonder how I, many. I guess it does for... make sense. Yeah. I wonder. No, I was going to, I was going to Google how many McDonald's there are in New York city just for comparison, <laughs> but, but I can't. Uh, so we wanted to know, uh, there's a visual gag in the last episode where Elaine is reading the book fatal vision. And it, we wanted to know what that book was about. It's a journalist and author, Joel McGinnis's best-selling 1983 true crime book. And it uh, there's a decades-long dispute that's been going on, spanning several court cases and discussed in several other public works. So here's what Fatal Vision, the book, is about. Uh, Captain Jeffrey R. McDonald and the February 17th, 1970 murders of his wife and their two kids at their home on Fort Bragg in North Carolina. And so I remembered my I remembered this book being around and I think my sister and or my mom were reading it because we lived on Pope Air Force Base, which is sort of like the Air Force sister base right next to Fort Bragg. So essentially, we (laughs) yeah, we were we were in Fort Bragg. And I guess that, you know, um, the fact that we were living in an area where something weird like this took place caught the interest of my mom and sister. And so I remember them reading Fatal Vision and and that covered distinctly with the Green Beret on it. So in 1979, this guy was convicted of all three murders and sentenced to life in prison. Then this journalist was hired by Captain Jeffrey McDonald uh, prior to the start of the criminal trial, but he later became convinced that McDonald was guilty and the book supported McDonald's conviction. So this guy hired this author before the criminal 
case uh and he thought like and the the journalist was like pretending the whole time he's like oh yeah you're innocent you're innocent knowing in the back of his head he was going to write a book about how guilty he was <laughs> and so um like people thought that was kind of messed up uh you know including the murderer himself <laughs> alleged murder i don't know whether you would convicted murderer I, I i guess yeah convicted murderer yeah including the convicted so the book sold well and gave rise to a mini series of the same name on nbc the next year and the book led to mcdonald suing mcginnis and the case was settled out of court. The books, the book and its conclusions were challenged by several subsequent publications. So I guess we don't know whether this guy really did it at all, but apparently he is still in prison for it. So I guess it's just being about, you know, someone murdering someone very close to them is the fact that it was kind of funny. And I don't know when, hang on, let me see. I don't know when the book you, came out because you figure it'd be, it would, you said I don't know like, why it was still funny. What Was it around 1969? Um, no, yeah, the, the murders happened... On in 1970. Okay. And Fatal Vision, the book came out in '83. Um, I think the miniseries was like '84. So this is kind of an old book. Yeah, yeah. I was I was trying to figure out. Let me see. Yeah, he still is in the Federal Correctional Institution in Cumberland, Maryland, and made for TV film was 1984. Yeah, that's when the thing came out. Oh, okay. The the miniseries. So yeah, still 11 years old at this point. Not too old, but I guess just maybe the most. Uh, not, just a book about a murder yeah, that they not, needed. Not super <laughs> old, but like how many times have you walked in like in somebody like uh, awkwardly just watching a movie from 2009 that explained a bunch of things that you thought about them? Yeah, yeah. I don't know what that yeah, would that's... be in this scenario. <laughs> yeah, I mean, either. Um, but it's, you know, as long as I'm talking about the NBC miniseries, the guy that played the murderer uh, is Gary Cole. Do you recognize that name? No. So I know Gary Cole because he was in Office Space. He plays the boss. Like, yeah, uh, Peter. Oh, uh, okay. So, yeah, he's the boss in Office Space. Um, and he's been on a ton of other stuff, but I, I just remember him from that. <laughs> so I think it's very weird uh, to think of him in that role as a Green Beret who may have murdered his family or whatever whatever this guy was, some captain. Uh, so we also had a question about Son of Sam, another murderer. And just in relation to the dog joke that the Texan... Uh, tells to Newman when he shows up with Berkowitz's bag. He says, I took over his route when he was put away. And, you know, the guy said, there's a lot of dogs on that route. So David Berkowitz, uh, also known as Son of Sam, American serial killer, pled guilty to eight separate shooting attacks that began in New York City during the summer of 76. He confessed to all of them and initially claimed to have been obeying the orders of a demon manifested in the form of a dog belonging to his neighbor, Sam. Uh, despite his explanation, Berkowitz was found mentally competent to stand trial. During questioning, he claimed that his neighbor's dog was one of the reasons that he killed, stating that the dog demanded the blood of pretty young girls. He said that uh, the Sam mentioned in the first letter was his former neighbor, Sam Carr. And Berkowitz claimed that Harvey, Carr's black Labrador retrieval, was possessed by an ancient demon and that it issued irresistible commands that Berkowitz must kill people. He pled guilty to second-degree murder and was incarcerated in state prison. Sub he subsequently admitted that the dog and devil story was a hoax. Huh. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, he sounds insane. So I don't know. Maybe he thought by admitting it was a hoax, they would um, <laughs> hey, just let kidding. him out or something. It, it, guys, <laughs> yeah. it was a prank. Just a prank, bro. Got you. <laughs> you should have uh, seen your faces. <laughs> a dog. A talking dog, you idiots. Come on. Uh, still, He's still alive and serving six consecutive life sentences at Shaw Angunk Correctional Facility just north of New York City. And Newman, here's, so here's a little bit of a continuity error. I know they needed a joke and it's funny, but Newman says he took over Berkowitz's route 
But at the time of his arrest, Berkowitz was working as a letter sorter mm. for the United States Postal Service, which would I don't think that's the same as uh, someone who makes deliveries. No, I don't think so. Uh, I mean, hey, we could contact the United States Postal Service, but I'm pretty sure they're busy with other things right now. Yeah, yeah, they're um, in the middle of being dismantled. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I guess this could have been like, not necessarily he took over his route whenever he snapped and started killing people. He could have taken over his route whenever he became a postal sorter instead of a carrier. That's true. That is true. <laughs> that's yeah. that's going to be my canon for this. I like it. little side note here. Uh, Sarah and I started watching Mindhunter have you ever seen that? No, I wanted to watch it. And it's just one of the shows that Grace is like, oh, yeah, maybe sometime. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, so you can just tell me never. <laughs> and, I'll, and I'll watch it on my own. You might get in a show hole. You never know. I mean, it's been on our list for, you know, it's been like way down on the list. But the reason we picked it up was because Sarah's really high on Jonathan Groff right now because of <laughs> Hamilton. And so okay. she really, yeah, she really wanted some of the Groff sauce. And so we started watching it. <laughs> And it re- and she also loves you know movies and television shows based on real events like, like that's her she just loves anything based on a re- it doesn't matter how benign if she finds out it's based on a real event like it could be Saving Private Ryan or Julie and Julia you know it's like either just because they're based on real events <laughs> yeah yeah she's totally into it see um, we, we're yeah. in the middle of like multiple self-created show holes we started watching avatar the the show on nickelodeon uh like whenever we moved into the house uh got through i don't know the the first couple episodes of the second season and then grace just didn't want to watch it again (laughs) and the same with community we watched like through the first season and grace just didn't want to keep watching it and i asked her I, i don't know if i've told you this or not but i asked her i'm like Okay, well, can I watch it without you? And she said, no. <laughs> so so I, I just don't get to watch it anymore. Are you kidding me? <laughs> oh, man. That's a drag. It you should sucks. Just, you should just watch it behind her back. I'm probably going to. Yeah. <laughs> because and then na- if you have to watch it again, bonus. Yeah, because like not only... Not only do have I never seen Avatar, and I'm what I'm in the middle of watching it for the first time. I'm gonna forget what's happened in the fucking episodes we just watched, uh, or yes. I, I should say, just like watched months ago at this point. And then the Legend of Korra just got added to Netflix a couple of days ago, as of this record. And she's like, "Oh, Legend of Korra is on Netflix." And I told her, "I'm like, can we finish Avatar first? <laughs> because Korra is like the spinoff series." <laughs> I'm like, we're, I have no idea what happens in Avatar. I'm going to be so fucking lost in Korra. Yeah, that doesn't make sense. You got to, yeah, you got to finish up. <sighs> so uh, that's my rant. Well, no, I'm, we're, I'm the same way. I hate, like, we've, we've stopped watching so many shows just because, you know, maybe they for, went on summer break. Maybe for, it was something we were on, most, that was like, on DVR or we just got busy, you know, for and the most, we like, just don't watch For the most, arbitrary reasons sometimes. Like, I, I found out uh, because of uh, the wedding last year and the honeymoon and just, like, uh, forgetting about things, I had missed an entire season of 911 on Fox. Oh, no. Yeah. Were you really watching that? I was, you know? <laughs> and, like, I got into it. And yeah. I, I watched, like, two full seasons of it. And I started watching the third season on Hulu. And it just doesn't feel the same. Yeah, I, that was the way I was with The Walking Dead. Like, the, the episodes just started <laughs> piling up. And I really did like that show. You were joking about 911? No, I was totally oh, okay. serious like, about 911. 
I thought you were laughing because I didn't pick up on your like no no on your sarcastic double down. No, I really was watching nine one one. No, it, the, the first the first like couple episodes are so like cringy bad, and then like it, it does get better, and then like the the second season it's just off the wall. It it's a Ryan Murphy show. I'll just say it's a Ryan Murphy show. Like oh, it, I never it, knew that. I didn't yeah, know that. It's okay. If you go into it knowing that, yeah, um, <laughs> you're not going to be surprised by anything. Say no more. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing it's yeah. missing from every other show he does is like song and dance numbers. <laughs> I gotta say though, I love American Crime Story. I can't get enough of that. Those seasons don't come out fast enough. I, I think they're working on like two concurrently right now, maybe. But I'm like, just those have been so friggin' solid. The OJ one and then the, um, uh, what was it? The um, uh, Versace. Uh, Versace. Yes. Oh, N- man. Haven't watched the OJ one. And we watched every episode except the last one of Versace. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a pretty big one. <laughs> yeah, you think so? I, I, I think the I think the series finale of Versace would be totally okay to miss, right? Yeah, I know we need to get back on track, but I'm curious why you didn't watch the last episode. Uh, just uh, timing, I think. Yeah, uh, we were we were out of town whenever it premiered, and we just forgot about it. Um, th- this is before FX signed like their big deal with Hulu, so you couldn't really watch it until like. It had been a week after it aired on Sling, I think. Mm, mm-hmm. uh, and at that point, we just were like, eh, we're watching this other thing now. And, yeah. and now it's been, what, a year and a half? <laughs> oh, yeah, if not more. <laughs> if not more. But yeah, the, I think they're uh, they're currently working on a Hurricane Katrina season yeah. and a uh, Bill Clinton, Monica uh, Lewinsky season. Yes, and I'm there for both of them. Yeah, those are. I feel like those are going to be both pretty good. Yeah, and the other show that actually just ended uh, last week, as of this recording, was Agents of Shield. We loved that show, and then we just fell like a couple seasons behind. And they would take long, weird breaks anyway, so we'd all catch up, and then they're like, "Oh, we're going on a six week hiatus, or eight week, or we're coming back next year, or we're filming, and we're going to come back in two years." They 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 had oh, weird releases, geez. and so wait, yeah, Marvel it's, really it's didn't treat now? them very well. It, it's done yeah. done. Yeah, the seventh. I think the seventh and uh, series finale um, was on last week. God, yeah. I had no idea it was still on. I watched the first exactly. couple episodes and just couldn't get into it. Yeah, if Marvel treated their TV segment like DC does, they would be absolutely amazing. But they <laughs> yeah. they sort of like just sort of ignored. Like Agents of Shield, it used to be you'd go see the Marvel movie, and then the next week's Agents of Shield would be about them like cleaning up Thor's mess or. <laughs> You know, or whatever, and especially when Winter Soldier came out, it was like when Shield got blown up. It was like Agents of Hydra, and it was really cool how it, it, it you know, it was like it filled the gap between Marvel movies. But then Marvel just sort of, I felt like, really started ignoring it, and and uh, yeah, it, it would have been cool if Coulson could have been a part of. Because that was my question. I was like, is do the Avengers even know Coulson's alive? I feel like that's a big that would be a big deal to them. How about he's in a movie or something? Yeah, yeah. Like I, I feel like I, I know hot take here. But Marvel is good at movies, and DC is good at TV series. Yeah, apparently. Yeah, and I feel like Marvel could definitely... I mean, look look at the way Marvel treated even their Netflix shows, you know? Oh, my God. Don't, whack. don't get me started on those. I better not. <laughs> Let's move on. <laughs> okay, so we, we do have a little bit more trivia from the last episode, too. This is kind of weird, and I don't believe it. So due to the... I believe part of it. Due to the ambitious settings, you pointed out, like, we had more scene changes and locations than maybe any other 
uh, Seinfeld episode, and The Diplomats Club was the first episode of Seinfeld for which no scenes were filmed before a studio audience. Oh, yeah, really? Most of the footage was shot at Burbank Airport, which was shut down for shooting huh. because several of the airport management were Seinfeld fans. Oh, my God. I, um, I can't believe they had to shoot at an actual airport. I can't either. I can't believe I was in this airport. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You, you even mentioned that. <laughs> I can't. Yeah. I can't believe that it was at Burbank. That's awesome. And I can't believe they. I mean, <laughs> that, that diplomats club airport. didn't look like a diplomats club. It no. looked like a set. <laughs> That's what I don't believe. This was shot at Burbank Airport. There's no part of it that needed to be. The plane looked like a set. Everything looked like a set. <laughs> I mean, believe it or not, I guess it's true. What? That, that, oh, the, the, that it was filmed at an airport. But I mean, this is just one little paragraph on Wikipedia, you know. Uh, so I don't. Maybe yeah. I don't know. I need to. I guess I should have clicked the source on it because I really don't know why they would have needed to do that, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and the cheapest scene in the episode, someone said, is Jerry freaking out in front of the news cameras, which was accomplished with nothing more than some rented bushes set in front of a black backdrop. <laughs> so they didn't even do that part outside. God. Yeah. Uh, Newman did not appear in the original script for the episode. His part was added in by Larry and Jerry. So that's kind of interesting. I wonder how they um, got Kramer out of the situation without Newman. Hmm. Uh, During filming of an earlier episode, Larry David remarked to Tom Gamble and Max Prost that Tom Wright, who played Mr. Morgan, looks like Sugar Ray Leonard. And that inspired the George story in the episode. (laughs) Uh, Originally, his story was supposed to end with George being demoted to working the ticket window at Yankee Stadium, where Sugar Ray Leonard comes to pick up his tickets. Because the Seinfeld team were unable to get Sugar Ray Leonard to appear on the show, the part with the waiter was written as a substitute ending, though the ticket window scene was filmed with Wright as Sugar Ray Leonard stand-in. Oh, my God. (laughs) 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 Which I feel like maybe was, like, maybe maybe, um, Wright was offended by Larry David saying he looked like Sugar Ray Leonard, and so Larry cast him as Sugar Ray Leonard's stand-in <laughs> just to prove a point. <laughs> but, uh, okay, I think that's all I got. Okay. Uh, is there any other, like, big news or anything that we got to cover? Oh, I do want to mention, I don't know if you want to cover this in uh, Newman's tweet sack or whatever we have, but, <laughs> but someone tweeted this uh, article that I also saw. I don't know if it was new or not, but Jerry Seinfeld mentioned the episode that he likes, uh, his most hated episode, and it is the alternate side, which and the only reason that Jerry <laughs> hates it so much is because of the Yankee beans. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't even see this. Yeah. Um, someone tweeted it to us. Uh, it was, I believe. Oh, well, hang on. I'll have to go back and find that. Uh, yeah. Season and season three, episode 11. Uh, Jerry gets his car stolen. It's where he, you know, the pretzels are making me thirsty. The car rental scene is in there. It's awesome. But uh, Jerry said that there was this one guy who had a stroke and we were feeding him on the couch. Oh, this, this is what Seinfeld told uh, Jerry told Andy Cohen on Watch What Happens Live. I guess it was maybe recently. Uh, he said, I felt very uncomfortable with that episode. <laughs> As did we, yeah. Jerry. As did we all. Yeah. So Fred Esposito, I knew it was one of the Esposito brothers, uh, they tweeted it to us. And I said, you know, I was like, I, it was, it's such a strong episode that even that little bit doesn't detract from all the greatness you know it it does make you uncomfortable but everything else is so great in it that it it just is one of the best episodes but it's just weird that jerry who almost never finds anything sacred you know he's like oh you can joke about anything and if you don't like it it's you know you're too much of a you know i don't know if he's ever said the word snowflake but that's i feel like it (laughs) it is the way you know like oh come on everything's funny and if you can't handle it that's on you that's your fault you know so the fact that he did find something wrong with making fun of a stroke victim or whatever they were doing with a stroke victim it's just surprising to me that like 
I don't know that anything can make Jerry uncomfortable is weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But besides that, I think that's it. No one, no one died <laughs> yet that we mm-hmm. know of. Uh, yes. Well, I mean, we do have a death in this episode, but we'll get to that in a second. <laughs> if you've never listened to us before, we are not a research-heavy show, despite the last, I don't know, 20-some <laughs> minutes of this being just us ranting about research. Uh, we like to have our questions pop up naturally and assign them to ourselves as homework the week following. If we miss something, if we egregiously skip over something, please send us an email, send us a tweet at NoHugging on Twitter or NoHuggingNoLearningShow at gmail.com. The reason being, I've never seen these episodes before tim is watching these episodes uh for the first time ever in chronological order after being a lifelong fan for years uh if you like what you hear though please give us a five-star rating and a written review on apple podcasts and we will send you a no hugging no learning sticker we just need your mailing address or you can leave us a rating and a review on any other app we just ask that you also send us a screenshot because we can really only see the apple podcasts ones that all being said, Season 6, Episode 22, The Face Painter, original air date May 11th, 1995. I was two years, four months, and 21 days old. And uh, if you count this episode and every other episode we have left, Tim, we have 68 episodes remaining until we become a podcast dedicated to giving up on Netflix shows. We, we just <laughs> do one episode about each show and why we stopped watching it. That's not bad. I also like the idea of watching an entire series except the last episode. Oh, God. <laughs> it's called Netflix Edging. <laughs> that would be no satisfaction at the end. Uh, that would be the most, like, uh, I don't know, aggravating thing in the world, I think. Just yeah. never watching the finales. Yeah, yeah. And like our last episode for each series comes along. It's like, all right, well, that's quite a cliffhanger. And I guess we'll never find out what happens. <laughs> or, or even better, if you still want to go like episodic, just cut off the last five minutes of every episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah that'd, be, yeah, that'd be awesome. <laughs> like, I don't know. Where, I don't know where this is going. Uh, guess yeah. that's it. <laughs> well, I guess we'll never find out. Uh, we'll see what happens in the next episode. We'll, we'll see what happens. Never. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, so if you're looking at TV Guide the night of May 11th, 1995, you are going to see Elaine's boyfriend's behavior at a hockey game appalls her and Jerry. Oh, I kind of like that. We'll see if we can make it better at the end. We start with a stand-up bit as usual. This is about how monkeys, when you reach the monkey level of pet ownership, you might as well just have a kid. Also, I I mean, this seems to be like, who who is getting monkeys as pets? You know, just rich people, right? <laughs> I think so. I, I don't know, yeah. like, I don't know who this is directed at. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, <laughs> did, did monkey owners really need to, like, monkey pet owners really need to be taken down a peg? <laughs> like, oh, you really got him, Jerry. <laughs> Finally, someone said what we're all thinking about people Jeez. who have monkeys as pets. <laughs> well, such a... <laughs> that thing we were all thinking. Yeah. Just settle uh, and... down and have a kid already. God. <laughs> And um, then Jerry <laughs> says that, you know, it makes sense that monkeys, it probably made sense to monkeys that they were the first astronauts because that's the next logical step in their mind from dancing for an organ grinder to taking re-entry G-forces. And did the monkeys come back, though? I thought... I don't like, think they did. Yeah, I was I wondering that. I might I have to look that up. I don't whether, know. Yeah, because I know a lot of those animals that we sent up, like, it's sort of never, they're like, oh, wow, the first heroes of space travel. And it's like, yeah, but then they just kind of floated around up there until, you know. <laughs> until they, like, definitely just died and their carcass is still in outer space, right? <laughs> yes, yeah, floating in orbit somewhere, yeah. So I'm going <laughs> to I'm gonna type monkey space return for homework. 
uh, <laughs> next just to see what animals came back and which ones didn't. Because I have like grainy news footage in my head of a monkey. I don't know whether they're putting him into the spaceship or taking him out, though. Mm, you know what I mean? Can you yeah. picture that in your head? No. No. Okay. <laughs> I know I've seen clips of that somewhere, but okay, we'll we'll Google we'll we'll talk about animals in space uh, for twenty minutes next week. Uh, so we open in a car. It's George's car, and he's on a date, and he's talking about toilet paper and how it hasn't changed in the past ten thousand years, and it won't change ten thousand years after they die. And the, his date is actually seemingly genuinely interested in what he has to say about toilet paper, and even George is shocked at this, and they start <laughs> making out uh, over at Monks. Elaine and Jerry are there, and Elaine uh, tells the busboy, "This is sort of how we enter the scene." Elaine tells the busboy that the soup was great, and Jerry mocks her for. <laughs> giving a compliment to the boss. You think he's back there talking to the chef like, she liked the soup. Keep it up. Good job. <laughs> what, what was what was your take on Jerry's line here? Jerry's like, Elaine, it's all this guy can do to keep from killing himself. Dark. <laughs> it was really pretty dark. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. Very dark <laughs> joke. Uh, so Alec Berg comes in and uh, Elaine and Jerry see him and Jerry says he has a good John Houseman name. Uh, any idea nope. what that means? I have nope, no clue. All right. That's two bits of homework and we're three minutes in. Oh, this is going to be uh, a good one. Jeez. I'm, I'm guessing that John Houseman is an actor who used to talk like this. Mr. Berg. Because Jerry thinks that's <laughs> hilarious. Uh, Elaine says that Alec Berg is pretentious, uh, but he comes over to say hi and they're very friendly. And uh, Alec asks if Jerry's going to if they're going to Gary Fogel's funeral and... Then he talks about how he has Rangers. Oh, yeah, Jerry saw him on TV. Are those, are those your Rangers tickets right on the glass? And Alex like, oh, yeah, you know what? I can't even use them for tonight if you want them. So he gives him the tickets and, and maybe Friday, too. I don't know if I'm going to go Friday. So maybe those as well. And right here, we skip totally over Gary Fogel died. John Lovitz's character. I didn't realize that until they pointed it out later. Yeah. No, I, I recognized the name. And I was like, wait, 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 wait. When did this happen? Yeah. <laughs> I, I totally just thought it was just an acquaintance. I <laughs> totally had forgotten John Lovett's name. <laughs> the only reason I remembered it is because we made a Jared Fogel joke about it. <laughs> and I thought the same. I almost wrote down Jared. I was like, no. It just, you know, like, it just... <laughs> That goes so well with Fogel. Anytime you hear Fogel, unfortunately, he's the most w- famous one now. So, <laughs> our, our condolences to the Fogel family for always being <laughs> yeah. associated with Jared now. Um, yeah. But I, I've literally never heard of this actually happening. Like someone having season tickets and just saying, oh man, I can't go tonight. Would you like my tickets? I, this has only ever been in TV shows and movies. I, I've never seen this in practice have you no certainly not and i just chalk it up to not knowing the right people i bet there I are people who have so. season tickets to yeah we, we, i mean it looks like we judging be, alec we bird looks like a lawyer more. or something later on he looks like very and, and he can afford season tickets right on the glass yeah so i yeah. don't know people like that we got to be friends with more rich people i agree i agree uh so over in the apartment elaine and jerry are there and george comes in and he is just head over heels because now we find out her name sienna sienna Mm -hmm. was so genuinely into his asinine discussion about toilet paper that he is going to tell sienna i love her that's true oh uh one thing before we before we leave monks did you hear what did you hear what alec berg said whenever he left no, I'll be good. Yeah, we got to be good from yes! Alec Berg. <laughs> I told you, Ted, old dudes love to say that to each other. <laughs> like, all right, be good. Um, oh, my gosh. Okay, there it okay. is in the wild. Okay, so back in Jerry's. <laughs> 
That's who we need to know. Rich old guys who say be good when they leave a conversation. Oh my god. You know, I I I'm gonna I'm gonna make this an experiment. I'm gonna be like talking to the some of the rich dudes on some of our work remotes uh, yes. that run some of the businesses. You know who I'm talking about. I'm not giving up their names because I have heard somebody like that say be good, and yes. it was after that that I brought it up to you. <laughs> you we we can talk about this off air uh but I, I i believe i believe we both know who we're talking about um yeah. but i know they are loaded and i want to be friends with them because yeah. because they are loaded is that does that make me a bad person um maybe but i wouldn't be too hard on yourself <laughs> Yeah, there's nothing wrong with uh, one of my favorite quotes is from Sound of Music and Uncle Max in that movie says, I like rich people. I like myself when I'm around them. (laughs) Um, And I just said that recently because Sarah and I went to uh, uh, someone's house in up near you in Erie and it was absolutely gigantic. It was gorgeous. (laughs) They had the pool. They had I mean, it was like, you know, just a gigantic house. And I said that to her as we were leaving and and just because (laughs) it was just so nice to be to live like that for a little bit, you know. Well, being being the huge sound of music fan that she is, what was her reaction to that? Actually, she she was like, wait, what's that from? I was like, oh, what? I I know I didn't dog her too hard about it, but you know, uh, we we gravitate to different things in that movie. She likes the music and the, the kids and the nanny and stuff like that and i always gravitate to you know the the world war ii elements of it and and the hilarious uncle max but no she appreciated it yeah she she was like yeah i could totally be an uncle max um so uh, up in the apartment okay we're there and oh well first jerry and elaine sort of like i feel like they they sort of prod george about his toilet paper thing like what are you talking about of course it's changed it's softer it's more you know and like they're right about that but it's not it's not the point <laughs> jerry asks you know are you confident in the i love you return and george says he's 50 50 <laughs> he really just wants to say it to someone once you know he's never said it to anybody he said it to a dog and the dog licked himself and left the room but uh but jerry jerry says like if he doesn't get that i love you return it's a pretty big matzo ball hanging out there <laughs> yeah and uh i noticed that the superman's on the bookshelf here Kramer comes in, meanwhile, and he says he's in for the Rangers game. And did you hear what he said? He said, um, you know, he's like, hey, I got tickets to the Rangers game. You want to go? And Kramer says, Manangahila. Yeah, like, is Kramer just naming rivers in Pittsburgh now as, <laughs> as exclamations? I think so. I think it is a fun <laughs> word to say. And I think that those are the kind of uh, excited words that Kramer likes to use whenever, you know, um, I think we've heard, I'm trying to think of some of the other ones that he's that he's said. I don't remember. Well, I mean, Giddy Up is definitely the most famous, I think. Giddy Up, yeah. I don't know whether we've hit the episode yet, but I'm pretty sure he says Boutros, Boutros, Golly or something like that <laughs> uh, at some point, didn't he? I have no idea. All right, maybe I'm making that up. <laughs> uh, but yeah, just any funny sounding word Kramer likes to say. So he says Monongahela, which by the way, I believe it's Monongahela. That's I, the way I say it. I, yeah, I, I think it's Monongahela. Did, did he say Gila? I, I, yeah, I picked up a, I picked up a, a long E in there. Mm, okay, well, maybe he like Dr. Coxed it. And from Scrubs, and he's like Mananga <laughs> Yeah, yeah, probably. It's more fun to say than he <laughs> or hey. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, George it, can't go to the game. He doesn't want to go to the game. Uh, he'd rather spend time with Sienna and tell her that I love you. And Elaine says, "Oh, for the extra ticket, why don't I bring Putty?" And George then throws out that if anybody wants to tour the zoo, get a behind-the-scenes tour, they can because Sienna works there. And over at Elaine's, uh, David Putty is there, and he is a. He's yelling. He's getting ready for the game from the back room, and he is a huge Devils fan because he grew up in Jersey, and he comes out, and he has painted 
his face, which completely shocks Elaine. And <laughs> his reasoning is you got to support the team. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure the team will notice. <laughs> exactly. And uh, that's what David Putty thinks at Madison Square Garden, where we are later on. Putty's being very intense. He's constantly standing up and just, you know, but, ruining the game for everybody else. But the thing is, he's being a hockey fan. Yeah. Like, this is incredibly normal behavior at a hockey game, let alone a playoff hockey game on the glass. <laughs> yeah, that's what I can't believe that this, that Alec Berg has, has, season tickets on the glass and these are the playoffs and he didn't want to go what could he be doing that's better something only rich people know i guess so i guess so maybe he's like back in the locker room or something <laughs> schmoozing with the owner and he's like i don't need to sit with the plebes at at on the glass yeah yeah i've got i've got the these suite. seats yeah yeah <laughs> yeah probably um, so over in George's car, they're listening to the game. And by the way, I loved this segue where a goal is scored in, at the hockey game and then they're listening to it on the radio. And we, in the next scene, I, I loved that segue. I thought that was genius. Yeah. That like, was that's really... a level of filmmaking that we don't normally see in, in Seinfeld. It was really well done. Yeah. <laughs> that was so cool. Uh, so George then, you know, he says, well, I could have gone to that game, but, uh, you know, I, uh, wanted to be here with you. Because I love you. Well, and it's, yeah. he, he, he like he almost he stumbles while he says it. So I I will I will give George a little credit there. He's like because I I love you. Yeah, you know yeah, and that's it's, it's how he tentative. says it. Yeah, yeah. And Sienna then turns and says, "I'm hungry. Let's get something to eat." <laughs> <laughs> Uh, out on the street, Putty is still being very intense, uh, very high on the devil's win. And I like the fact that, so, you know, you said, like, he's being a hockey fan. And, oh, you, you also said, like, oh, I'm sure the team is going to notice that you painted your face. And he says, like, you guys are just upset because I got in their heads. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Taking total credit for the win. <laughs> yeah. And, like, what, what's so weird here, additionally, is Kramer is being the sane one. Like, Kramer's <laughs> like, ah, uh, yeah, yeah, you did. It's okay. <laughs> but like, meanwhile, Jerry and Elaine are so put off by Putty. Kramer is the one who's like being a hockey fan, but he's gracious in defeat, you know? Yeah, at least he's being friendly. Yeah, exactly. He's being friendly with Putty. Uh, and Putty run, runs out in the street, almost gets hit by a car that is carrying a priest. And <laughs> that, then Putty like runs up to the window and starts shouting, we're the devils. We beat anyone. <laughs> well, he and, hisses uh, at them. Yeah, he hisses at him. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the priest uh, starts remarking in Spanish, el, el Diablo, Dios mío, and, and things like that. <laughs> Over at Monks, Jerry and George are talking about the I love you situation and how uh, that's a pretty big matzo ball out there. And George says the relation. I, I thought this was a funny, really funny exchange. Uh, the relationship deteriorates after one person says I love you and the other person doesn't. You can't have a relationship where one person says I love you and the other person says I'm hungry. Let's get something to eat. And Jerry goes, well, unless you're married. <laughs> Which is such a good like normally Jerry's like just uh, bitter about what married life is, but that's yeah. accurate. Yeah, uh, and George is like nobody wants to be with somebody who loves them. <laughs> yeah, and that speaks to so much of what of George's motivations in a relationship. It's like he wants to be with someone that he constantly has to work to impress and will never get there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because oh, I mean, look at uh, j just judging on the characters of his mother and his father, it makes total sense. Oh God! Wow, did we just go deep on George? 
<laughs> yeah, I, I didn't even I didn't even uh, take his parental relationships into account, but that's totally oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, so I feel George like we- can't, George can't be with anyone who who thinks he's good enough. And so reference Krista Miller from a couple episodes ago, who was like, mm-hmm. be yourself. And mm-hmm. he couldn't. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> one of my, one of my groomsmen is almost a doctor of psychology. I feel like we should get him on the show to talk about this. Exactly. <laughs> There's gotta be a philosophy of George book out there. <laughs> philosophy of George Costanza or something, you know, which may be a little humorous, but I feel like those books were kind of big. What weren't there like the philosophy of the Simpsons? Like, wasn't that, um, I a think book out so. there. I don't know. Yeah, I think that was a pretty popular book where, like, they, it was tongue in cheek, but it was also like scholarly. You know, it was like we know this is a funny thing to be talking about, but uh, also The Simpsons can be deep in certain ways. And so, yeah, um, George says so much about himself that he probably won't even, you know, put into any sort of practice. And is like, wow, look at this thing about me, and I wonder if it's a good trait and how I can fix it. And like, nope, I'm just going to keep being George. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and he, so, so he says he's never saying it again unless they say it first. And that's when the waiter comes, a waitress comes over with matzo ball soup. And George is like, that's for me. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God, Tim. You, guess what I just found on Amazon? What? Seinfeld and philosophy, a book about everything and nothing. I knew it. I knew it had to be out there. <laughs> I wish it was only about George, but I'll, I'll take anything I can get. This, uh, this actually looks decent. I'm not about to buy a philosophy textbook to read for fun, though. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I have enough. I have enough interesting books that I'm never going to read. I don't need to... <laughs> oh, but there's only six left in stock. We have to hurry. Dang. Maybe I can find it at like a half price books or something and find it that way. Or may- maybe it's on eBay. Maybe we can get it even cheaper. I bet it's like one <laughs> cent on eBay somewhere. Because I'm not interested in Jerry's philosophy. I don't think. No, I don't care about Jerry. <laughs> Kramer, maybe George is up there. Elaine, possibly. She's a bit of an, an enigma. But yeah, George, I feel like maybe is the easiest. Maybe that's why I'm so interested in it. Over at the apartment, Kramer, uh, the Superman's on the fridge, by the way, and Kramer comes in and talks about his backstage tour of the zoo and a monkey threw a banana peel at him. So Kramer threw it back at the monkey and (laughs) Jerry thinks that's pretty dumb. Kramer tells Jerry to thank Alec for the tickets. He's like, hey, did you thank him for the tickets last night? And Jerry's like, no, I thanked him enough when he gave me the tickets. I don't need to call him again. I'm putting a stop to all this <laughs> overthanking, which is true. I mean, they really sat on that. Oh, my gosh. Both Elaine and Jerry. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Like, they really do sit on that in that yeah. uh, the, the scene in Monks earlier. And so he's not going to he's done with all the overthanking. Thank God. I, I I was hoping somebody with Jerry's level of influence would stand up against this travesty of overthanking somebody for something. Do you really think that's an issue? No. Oh, my oh. God. <laughs> I do think going out of your way to like, all right, I guess I better call and say thank you again. You know, like he knew he was going to see him anyway later. I think that would have been a perfect opportunity for a thank you, even though he didn't seemingly do it at the funeral, uh, as we'll get to later. But I agree that a phone call is too much thanking. But when you saw him again, like, oh, man, we had a great time at the game. Thanks again. You know, that's not overthinking, I don't think. That's just making conversation with something you have recently in common. True. I mean, like, if if this had been me and it had been today, I definitely would have sent, like, a, a follow-up text. Like, hey, yeah. hey, man, thanks for the tickets. That was awesome. We had a good time. Oh, cell phones, once again, would have saved everything in the Seinfeld universe <laughs> if only they existed. Yeah, thank you text would have been so much. Yeah, would have been so easy. Thanks again for the tickets. Uh, so Jerry's got to go to this funeral. And this is where they clue us in. The the people like me who forgot that the funeral is for the guy who pretended he had cancer and Jerry <laughs> bought him a toupee. This was, again, another great, hilarious, dark joke, though. Uh, you know, he, yeah, he died. And Kramer goes, oh, so he did have cancer. 
No, car accident. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Apparently, he oh, tried man. to adjust his toupee while he was driving and, and just crashed. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I think Jerry is probably happy that he's partly responsible for his death because he, he was adjusting the toupee that Jerry bought him. Yeah, that makes sense that Jerry would like <laughs> take a little joy in this. Yeah, death is the ultimate revenge, and we oh know my that God. the gang is all about that. <laughs> <laughs> but I just thought that was so funny because my mind went there too. Like, yeah, Gary Fogel died. Like, oh, he had can he did have cancer. No car accident. <laughs> uh, so at Riverside Gramercy Chapels, which was a real place, it is now closed, and it was at one fifty two Second Avenue. It is now a restaurant called ula u-l-u-h allah i don't know how you'd say that u-l-u-h yeah ula ula oh it's it is hulu backwards i just noticed that oh maybe yeah. maybe maybe it's like yeah like allah hulu ula U- i don't know U- ulu. Ulu. <laughs> i don't know uh, and there's a smoothie and coffee cafe next door to uh, Allah, if you want to go. Uh, but Riverside Gramercy Chapel is no longer there. Uh, they're at the funeral, and Elaine is explaining the situation with the priest that Putty screamed at. He won't leave his room. He's not eating. It really uh, affected him in a negative way. And I like Jerry's Putty impression here, where he's like, well, you know, you got to support the team. <laughs> That's not a bad impression yourself, honestly. <laughs> oh, for me? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Well, thanks. Uh, but like they're they're talking, and then their their conversation dies down for a second, and you just hear these women sobbing because <laughs> they're at a funeral. Yeah, and then <laughs> Elaine just is like, you know, I really hate my clothes. <laughs> yeah, this really is like <laughs> demonstrates the psychopathy of both of these of the whole of the whole gang, really, but specifically these two characters where they're like. <laughs> They could care less. They they couldn't care less that they're at a funeral. You know, there's this loud crying, and then there's this inane conversation, <laughs> and then more crying, and then the conversation continues because they've just continued <laughs> thinking about themselves. You know, uh, <laughs> uh, Alec comes in, and Jerry uh, gives him a very enthusiastic hello, but Alec seemingly gives Jerry the cold shoulder. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he he gives him a little bit of like an acknowledgement at least. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um. But Jerry's hello here for a funeral was a little over the top, I thought. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, Alec, hi. Like, oh, my God, Alec, hi. Hi. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> Way too much for a funeral. Um, so over at the New York Zoo, which, by the way, I couldn't figure out. There's, there's you know, I'm, I guess this is probably the Central Park Zoo. It didn't. There was no information on the sign to indicate whether it was the Bronx Zoo or the New York Zoo. And then well, it, it just the, said New York Zoo. But I mean, that could be any zoo, I guess. Yeah. And, and when I when I Googled that, I got like, you know, I, there are three or four zoos in the greater New York area. So my guess is Central Park, but I, I have no idea. Is there a um, zoo in Central Park? Yeah, I think so. Huh, I, think I didn't my, know that. My, in my Googling, I found that there's um, a small zoo there. By the way, before I, as long as I'm, I found out that there are more than 250 McDonald's in New York, in the five boroughs of New York City and 74 locations in Manhattan alone. Oh my so I guess God. 257 Dwayne Reed's just in the New York City area is not a lot. So question answered there, but I had that up before I had to Google something else. Uh, so yeah, there's the Bronx <laughs> Zoo, there's the Central Park Zoo, there's a Queen Zoo, there's a zoo in Prospect Park, which I believe is um, Brooklyn, and there's a Staten Island Zoo as well. Jeez. Yeah. New Yorkers love their zoos. 
Yeah, so I I don't know which one this was, but my guess is Central Park, just because you know most of it's centered in Manhattan anyway. <laughs> you know, but so, also you know some people like, could yeah. say that New York itself is a zoo. Am I hey, right? Man. Concrete <laughs> jungle. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> Concrete jungle where dreams are made of. <laughs> <laughs> that's one of my favorite that was from the brooklyn 99 new girl crossover <laughs> when um they're i think they're in where, what happens I, did they go to i think they go to la and that's where the crossover was and andy samberg is telling zoe deschanel like i'm from new york concrete jungle where dreams are made of he's like where <laughs> dreams are made of that can't be right <laughs> i agree that always sounded like nonsense to me <laughs> Uh, so at the New York Zoo, Barry, the, the uh, Kramer is there meeting with Sienna and I guess the head zookeeper, and they're telling him that Barry the chimp, ever since their interaction, is depressed. He's not eating. I love this. He's curtailed his autoerotic activities. <laughs> <laughs> so Seinfeld fi- finds yet another way to talk about masturbation and during prime time. <laughs> mm-hmm. Curtailed his autoerotic activities. <laughs> And they want Kramer to apologize. I love this exchange, too. He's just an innocent primate. And Kramer goes, so am I. (laughs) That's so that's deep right there. I love that. (laughs) God. Uh, Sienna leaves the room and Kramer tells Sienna as she's leaving. Hey, George really likes you. And she doesn't really acknowledge him or anything. And so Kramer like kind of makes a face to the head zookeeper guy. And he's like, oh, you know, she doesn't hear well out of her left ear. Mm. Yes. So up in the apartment, George and Jerry are discussing the exchange between Alec and Jerry at the funeral. Was that a funeral hello, which George so deftly demonstrates the sort of like silent, like shrug shoulders, which is spot on, by the way. It is spot on. Yeah, it was awesome. (laughs) He was like, and that's that's like the high end of a funeral. hello. (laughs) (laughs) Unless you're Jerry, of course. and, And this is coming from me who like. Me and my dad and my Graham and my siblings, we were like cracking jokes and like (laughs) at my grandpa's funeral just because we had done our crying. Like we had been bawling for the entire week. And then our extended family all comes in and they're looking at us. They're like, what is wrong with you? (laughs) Like we've been crying for a week. We have no more tears. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, once you, you know, once you get family like that together anyway, it, you know, or friends or whatever, you know, it's tough mm-hmm. to not just fall into what you're like, you know. Yeah. Um, and Kramer explains his situation about uh, them wanting to, him to apologize to Barry. And he tells George about Sienna's left ear. And George didn't even know about that. But now he's like, it's like the I love you never happened. Uh, and we get a, a spoken Superman reference here. He says it's like when Superman reversed the rotation of the Earth to save Lewis Lane. <laughs> George says he's going to do it. He's going to tell Sienna, I love you again. And Jerry reminds him about his vow that he would never say it before someone else. And George, again, just wants to say it once to somebody and have them hear it. Uh, Jerry tells Kramer about the funeral hello from Alec. And Kramer still says you you should call Alec to thank him for the tickets or we're not going to get to go to the game on Friday. And here's where we get some deep New York humor. Kramer says, this is how society functions, Jerry. So he, he sort of like jumped on. We live in a society. Uh, well, George's line. Normally, we, we had a lot of society mentions in this episode. <laughs> and he says, if you don't want to be a part of society, just get in your car and move to the east side. Ha. Ah, ha, ha. That that's that's funny for for us <laughs> living outside of New York. Yes. That's funny for New York reasons. <laughs> Get it, Tim? Like the East Side and how unsocietal they are. 
Yes. <laughs> they have no respect for society. No. And it functions no, on no. the east side. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, Jerry still won't call, though. Over at Elaine's, Elaine tries to break up with Putty over the face painting, but he says he just won't do it anymore, which Putty's directness, I really loved in this scene. And it really caught Elaine off guard because she was like so ready to say, I mean, she was so ready to break up with him. And then she's so flattered that he makes this (laughs) romantic gesture. Yeah, I don't need to do it. It's, uh, you know, not a habit or anything. You know, it's like such not a big deal to him. And she thought it was going to be a huge fight. Okay, so I need you to say his line here in your Patrick Warburton impression. Because he goes, all right, I got to go home and get changed before the game. I'll be back. We'll make out. Yeah, that was amazing. I'll be back. We'll make out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I just love, you know, she's like, wait, you'll you'll stop for me. Yeah, that's right. Like, he doesn't need to think at all. He's like... (laughs) As dumb as he is, he's so quick on his feet. Like, everything is black and white to him, it seems like, you know? Yeah. It's like, well, well if, you, if you don't like it when I pay my face, I just won't pay my face. Like, oh, I didn't. Okay. Like, you know, I think there's there's something there. I don't know what it is. I want to read about uh, the philosophy of Putty, you know, <laughs> his, like, one-syllable directness. Yeah, that's right. Over in George's car, George and Sienna are making out, and George, first of all, grabs Sienna's face so that he gets, gets both ears, and he says, Sienna, I love you. And Sienna goes, yeah, I know. I heard you the first time. Oh. And cut to George's, well, fuck me, right? Face. God, this hurt when I was watching it. I had to pause it and I'm like, ooh, ow. Yeah, that was amazing. <laughs> yeah, and then George goes, I'm just checking. Oh, my God. Uh uh, up in the apartment, Jerry is still sitting there waiting by the phone, as he was when Kramer left him. And his mom calls, and he hangs up on his mom. Even though he has call waiting, he doesn't trust in an emergency situation uh, because he's still waiting for Alec Berg to call and give him Friday's tickets. Even if... See, this is where I would be worried that, like, I'm not the most important thing in Alec Berg's, even though <laughs> I know the world revolves around Jerry Seinfeld. Like, mm-hmm. I think uh, I'm not the most important thing in Alec Berg's life right now. So even if I, w- even if it wasn't to thank him, I would at least call and go, hey, I remember you said something about Friday tickets. Uh, you know, um, is that still a possibility <laughs> or what? Because he might have forgotten. You know, I don't expect exactly. everyone to be thinking about me. Oh, I told Tim Murphy I would maybe give him Friday's tickets. That was on Wednesday. I'm going to think about it for three straight days and he's not going to leave my mind. It's like people do other things. I forget stuff all the time. I need to be reminded. <laughs> like I forget what I had for breakfast sometimes. Like yeah. I'm not going to I'm not going to remember uh exactly what I told one person off the cuff 3 days ago. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he he seems like a busy guy. So I would have framed it that way to Jerry by Kramer like, "You know what? Don't even thank him. Just call him up and and ask about the Friday tickets. Just yeah. remind him about the Friday tickets." Yeah, what would what would have been wrong with that? Yeah, nothing. And then Jerry probably would have just, for the sake of small talk, threw in a thank you, like, oh, we had a blast at the game. Uh, you know, exactly. I think that's the way they should have gone about it. <laughs> yeah, you always need to frame things for Jerry Seinfeld so that he benefits directly, not that, like, oh, a thank you is its own virtue. Like, no, you should have said, you know, the thank you, that's just going to be a part of getting the tickets. Mm-hmm. You know, you will get something out of this thank you, this nice thing for another person. It will benefit you. <laughs> that needs to be addressed. So back at the zoo, Kramer apologizes to Barry, who spits on him. And I guess that's pretty much the end of that exchange. That, that's it. Yep. That's the end of that storyline. <laughs> I, I thought something else was going to happen, but <laughs> yeah. n- nope. Uh, over at Elaine's, uh, Putty shows up and his face is not painted, but they're making out and he has a D painted on his chest. 
to spell devils with a bunch of other guys he's going to the game with. And Elaine's like, we thought you weren't going to paint anything. He's like, yeah, I said face painting. And he's right. He's got Elaine dead to rights on this one. She yeah. said face painting. She said face painting. She didn't say, like, just paint. Yeah, not just paint. Yeah. Uh, over in the apartment, Jerry finally breaks down and calls Alec and thanks him for the tickets. Yeah. But I guess it's it's like six o'clock. I'm guessing the game is either like eight or nine, probably. Yeah, yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, and he, but Alec already gave the tickets away. I wish he called earlier, but I already gave the tickets away. Um, you know, one of my friends has some tickets. If you don't mind the nosebleeds, and Jerry's like, we just want to go. So over at Madison Square Garden, Jerry and Kramer are the E and the V in Putty's shirtless lineup. So I don't know what happened to those other two guys that were yeah. supposed to be there, but they dropped out like so within so, hours of the game. Yeah. So is Putty friends with Alec Berg? What was was Alec going to be one of the E or the V? In Devils, uh, was was Alec planning on meeting up with Putty? That's a good question. Maybe the two guys who weren't there are Alec Berg's friends. Maybe what or was one of them? Was Putty planning on meeting up with with Alec like outside of not getting tickets on the glass? I hmm. I don't think Alec was going to be there because he told Jerry he probably can't use the tickets on Friday, but that he already gave them away. Uh huh. So he he wasn't going to be there on the glass. I think my guess is that Alec knew the two guys, the E and the V. They're Alec Berg's friends, mm. and they couldn't think- make it to the game. So or or hear me out. Maybe the E and the V, who are Alec Berg's friends, are such good friends, and they thanked him for the tickets on Wednesdays that yes. he put them yeah. on the glass. Yeah, that's because, exactly what happened. Those they, two guys are sitting, yeah, ringside. Because they and, called yeah. him on Thursday and thanked him. Yeah. <laughs> or, or just like, you know, maybe they didn't even have, you know, those glass tickets at one point. But because I don't know if these nosebleed seats are Alec Berg's tickets. I think they're just they're his friends tickets that they maybe they bought for the playoffs or something. Uh, maybe. Um, I don't know. But uh, he did give those tickets to those guys. You know, he was like, well, you know, what? this, uh, you know, Jerry Seinfeld, I was going to give him to him, but he hasn't called me back about, uh, after Wednesday. So if you guys want them, you can have them I'm like, oh, my gosh, great. We had nosebleed seats, but now we're not going to use those. We're going to sit near the glass. <laughs> and then that's how Alec knew about the nosebleed seats and those tickets were open. And so, yeah, that's exactly where those guys are. The E and the V are down down right next to the rink, which meant it, it's just sheer luck that Jerry and Kramer were the E and the V because if those two guys didn't show up they would have been just spelling dills <laughs> that's right come on dills let's go dills <laughs> uh, so we get one last little epilogue here and the priest is in his room in the basement of this church wherever it is and uh, Elaine appears to the priest she's in a raincoat the sun is shining behind her she looks like the Madonna and I guess the priest is cured of whatever hex Putty the Devil put on him, thanks to Elaine, the mother of Jesus. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, and that's it. <laughs> this is this was a weird subplot. Yeah, it was. But it gave us some. I mean, again, I I might have to star this episode just because it gave us some great. I mean, just some great Seinfeld moments. I mean, season six is definitely going out on a high note. Mm-hmm. It, it gave us some great Putty. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Did you know that the New Jersey Devils had a, I don't know whether it was a Seinfeld night or a putty night, but uh, Patrick Warburton was there like in his what? Uh, face paint makeup. Yeah, I think it was last season maybe oh that, my God. that the Devils did this. Yeah. I didn't know this. That's awesome though. And I think they made a putty bobblehead and stuff <laughs> like that. And and he was, yeah, I mean, he was doing his whole like, we're the Devils stick. Oh, and- that, that's surely got to be on eBay, right? Oh, oh yeah. The bobblehead. Definitely. 
You can put it with your New York Mets Jerry Seinfeld bobblehead that looks nothing like Jerry Seinfeld. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, it was a pretty cool pretty cool thing that the Devils did, and a cool of uh, Patrick Warburton to take part in it. And that's pretty much it for the episode. Oh my God, the bobblehead actually looks a lot like him. A lot like Putty. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it yeah. looks like cheapest right now is one fifty. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Um, there's a box only thirty dollars. Oh my gosh, that's crazy. <laughs> Patrick Warburton signed eight by ten as David Putty in the face paint. One hundred and fifty dollars. <laughs> Jeez. This is ridiculous. Why are why are these wow. so expensive? <laughs> wow. Uh I I guess the the bobblehead definitely has a, a better hairline than Patrick Warburton has. <laughs> oh, and I see it was it was a nineties night that the Devils had when they gave out bobbleheads. It wasn't just a, I would be like, no, I'm not showing up for nineties night. You make it David Putty night or we don't do anything. <laughs> the the base on the bobblehead just says we're the devils <laughs> i guess they play that clip at devils games at every home game it says in this article and <laughs> other teams have been known to use it when the devils are in town as well why would you do that <laughs> yeah um, that, that's weird yeah oh man okay so do we have any homework for this episode yeah we'll talk about uh, whether any monkeys actually came back from space and we'll figure out who john houseman is Okay, so I guess we don't have that much homework. We we were thinking we were going to have a, a bunch, but <laughs> it, it just all came up in the first like three minutes of the episode. <laughs> yeah, that was it. Uh, okay, what do we want to do for cover art for this episode? <sighs> I mean, it kind of has to be David Putty in face paint, right? I, I think so, but what scene? <laughs> Is it when he shows Elaine? Is it when Jerry and Kramer come in? Is it on the glass? Is it uh, whenever he's putting his face through the window of the priest's car? I mean, that... The window of the priest's car is like the iconic shot of this episode, but I I would love something just with other members of the gang in it. Mm-hmm. You know, so I like the apartment scene beforehand, or maybe the the walk the street scene after. It's kind of dark though. I don't know if that usually works for good cover art. I uh, the- I will see what I can do. Yeah. Uh, okay, so uh, let's see if we can come up with a better episode description. So we had Elaine's boyfriend's behavior at a hockey game appalls her and Jerry. Hmm. That does happen, but is it what the episode's about? I feel like it's more about the Alec Berg situation. Hmm. But the episode is called The Face Painter. Yeah, uh, but I don't know. It's not like David Putty's behavior is keeping Jerry from calling Alec Berg. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I feel like it. Ha- this episode has more... I mean, that's sort of Elaine's storyline. Jerry, stor- Jerry and Kramer's storyline is is the Alec Berg thing. And then mm-hmm. there's George's storyline, which we don't really even need to mention in the synopsis. And Kramer has that weird... Kramer has like an A story and a B story with the yeah, monkey. Yeah, he does. Um, okay, Jerry, something with the hockey tickets and... What's the conflict here? I'm trying to... I'm really trying to think... Because I don't want to say like Jerry won't thank... A friend for hockey tickets. Although, I mean, that's not awful. What about Jerry receives hockey tickets from a friend, but a, nah, I was going to say, but a mishap in communication. Le- it's already too long. Yeah. Jerry. Hmm. <laughs> Jerry may not n- get to go to a hockey game. <laughs> <laughs> Man, this is a tough one because I feel like we can make it better, but we've had it so easy. I feel like we've gotten out of practice because the last few have been like, man, that's perfect. Yeah, for real. And it's like just so easy to... This one definitely um, could be better. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
uh, a gift, Jerry. Uh, what about like? Well, now I now I don't even know what what the story is. Okay, Jerry gets to go to a hockey game where David Putty paints his face, and they all think that's weird. And then he won't thank. Then the funeral. I mean, there's just so much to synopsize. I guess I can understand why the Hulu person picked this little <laughs> picked this. <laughs> I don't know. Should we just give up? I don't know. I. I... If we can't think of anything better, then we just can't think of anything better. I, I don't think that's a failure on our part. Yeah, I guess so. All right. So I, it, <laughs> ju- it just stays the way it is. All right. We <laughs> thought about this, by the way, for a lot longer than the podcast lets on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's like 10 minutes that we just cut out uh, of us just like, mm, uh, <sighs> Jerry, I said Jerry about 37 times. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but okay. So next week we've got season six, episode 23, the understudy original air date, May 18th, 1995, the season six finale. Woo-hoo. And if you're looking in TV guide that night, you are going to see George is suspected of injuring Bette Midler in a softball game, getting that good season finale celebrity cameo. Oh yeah. You got to do the stunt casting. Mm hmm. Uh, when you're when you got the season finale uh okay so that's it right i think that's it all right for no hugging no learning i'm tim murphy i'm ted hallwell be good be good